When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you didn't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Well, good morning, church. Um, have you ever been let down? Uh, I suppose the answer is yes for all of us. Uh, it is just a matter of how much and how often we've been let down and by whom, I suppose, at times, depending the depth of our hurt and, and how we respond to it. Sometimes we've been let down so much that it actually leads us to respond in quite dramatic ways. And, and this is, I suppose, this, uh, where I want to pick up in the story of, that was just read to you from John 21. It picks up this moment where Jesus has his opportunity to respond to a letdown from, from his, his, his disciple Peter. And for those who are unaware, I just wanted to give a bit of background into what had led up to this point. Uh, Peter was the main disciple, the first called, uh, the leader amongst all the disciples. Uh, he had experienced unique moments that, uh, that many others never saw. Uh, even not all the disciples got to experience the moments that Peter shared with Jesus, um, from great miracles to great teaching um, uh, to even realization that Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And yet, as it led up to the story of Easter, we see Peter um, almost well, disagreeing with Jesus that he was going to fail. But Jesus said, no, on this night, you will deny me three times. And so after Jesus was arrested and, and put to trial, Peter is, is lurking in, in the background outside and he is confronted three times. And each time Peter um, basically deceives the people that he's talking to and say, no, I don't know this man. And because of that, uh, he, he basically fails in this opportunity to stand up for Jesus in this situation. And so sometime after the crucifixion and the resurrection, we see uh, this moment occur on the shores of Galilee. And Peter has actually done something. He's, he's actually gone back a step because all of a sudden he was called to be a fisher of men and to lead people to Christ. And all of a sudden he's denied Christ. And now he's actually taking not only himself, but he's taking others away to go back to the life of regular fishing. And he's taken them back and they spend a night out fishing and they fail and Jesus helps them out. And, and it comes to this point after this happens, they realize it's Jesus, they have breakfast with him. And it comes to this moment where Jesus has an opportunity to address the elephant on the lakeside, I suppose you could say. Because Peter, the last thing that Peter had done towards Jesus was to deny him. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone lets you down or if you were Jesus, what you could do in that situation. But the reality is this, like you could have you could have responded by letting Peter go, going, well, mate, you had your you had your shot. You had all these experiences that no one else will ever get to have. And you basically blew it. Um, I put so much effort into you. I, I groomed you to be the next the leader for the church. 
and you failed. So I um, hope you have a, a good job going back fishing. I'm going to find someone else to replace you. Sometimes we do that to people. We, we, they, they hurt us or do something to us. We just dismiss them and, and rule them out. Sometimes with people, we, we just love to give them the disappointed look with the head shake and the sigh that goes with it going, yep, you've let me down. What, what can words say? And I'm just going to keep shaking my head and, and disappointment at you. I want, I want you to make you to, you to feel the disappointment that I feel. But some of us, we, we're, we're, we're the wordy people. We like to, to actually address the elephant in the room really clearly. Uh, it could be as simply as an I told you so, or it could be full on just going down this list of, Peter, do you know what? You shouldn't have done this. You should have been braver here. You should have been more eloquent here. You should have also um, got some of the other disciples with you. And Jesus could have listed off and then he could have went, okay, and so Peter, next time, this is what you need to do. If you fail to do this, you're going to be out, Peter. Like, okay, you've got to step up your game. And again, could have just really poured the pressure on Peter as well. But the interesting thing is what we see, it, and this actually opens this window wide open, opens the curtains up and opens up this window into the heart of God. And, and we're going to be talking about this today because what happens, Jesus doesn't do any of those things I mentioned. He actually asked Peter some questions. And the questions were, Peter, do you love me? And why are those questions so significant? Well, basically it shows what is most important to Jesus. What is most important to Jesus, most important to God, is the fact that we are in a loving relationship with our Creator. That, was, that is the most important thing. And as, as we look over Scripture, that's going to come out. And so today we're going to look at this idea of how God pursues us. He pursues us to have a loving relationship. And again, for some of you, you might go, yeah, I know, God loves me. Um, Jesus loves me, this I know. Um, it could be God to love the world. Uh, he gave his only begotten son. We, we know those verses, they jump out at us. But sometimes I feel that we've got an academic understanding of God's love for us and not a deep experience of that love that God wants for us. And so we're going to be talking about that today. As we seek to experience God, God wants a love, us to have a loving relationship with him. And it becomes really important for us to do that. Because uh, firstly, I want to look at this idea that we are created for relationship. Again, and we see this again in God's pursuit of that um, and, and how God wants us to, to be in relationship. We, we're not made to be these um, solitary beings. And for those of you who are stuck at home by yourself, you would be strongly feeling that at this point in time. We're not meant to be at home all by ourselves all the time. We are meant to be in community. And God understood that. He created us to be in relationship, in community with him. And that was a, a, a given right from the get-go. And again, when that relationship was broken because Adam and Eve sinned, which should have passed that on to us, all of a sudden God did everything he could to basically restore that connection. He, he basically created a nation through Abraham. And all of a sudden this nation of Israel was meant to be this nation that would draw people back to God. And then through Israel, ultimately what would happen, Jesus was born and God was born as man, and all of a sudden we see this window open up or this door open up for us to enter into this active and loving relationship with God. We were created for that. And in fact, one of the things that we, what we need to realize is that a love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in our lives. 
Now, for some of you, this is going to be like a stretch for you because you're kind of going, I've got heaps of important things in my life and God's love, that's great, but it's not the most important. But I want to say it is the most important because, again, when you weighed up against anything else. So imagine, I don't know what you're going to put in the gap there, but it could be a brand new car. Again, a brand new car will become an old car at some point in time. A brand new car will have problems. A brand new car will lose its warm and fuzzy feelings. The love of God exists eternally and continually, and it's strong, it's powerful. It could be the love of your family is more important to you, or the security of your job is more important to you. Um, The love between a husband and wife is more important to you. But let me tell you this, when we have God's love as our primary focus in our life, everything else lines up as God intends. But when we put God's love down the chain, all of a sudden there's every, every opportunity for us to be more selfish, every opportunity for us to look at, at, at things and, and like pride and, 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 and things that can fill our lives up the wrong way. And all of a sudden, all those things that are important to us become, they get shuffled in the wrong direction. And we, and, and we see it in our world. The world values things that aren't truly valuable at times. And so we need to understand that this uh, a love relationship God is the most important single factor in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we don't value other things. It just means this becomes number one. And what we need to realize as well, it, it is actually the thing that motivates and drives God as well. God actually moves because of his love for us. Again, as we go through scripture, we actually see that God moves in such a way because his love for us basically drives him to do that. He, he, he basically, again, makes covenant and promise and, and sends his son and, and does this and does this all because of his love for, for us. And, and we see this most importantly as, as we look at the most important commandment. When you hear the commandment, you, you actually hear the thing that we have to do. And so, like, if you looked at one of the rules of being a Christian, what was the most, most important thing to do? And Jesus was asked that question. And he responds in all the Gospels. In Matthew 22, uh, 36 to 38, he said this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So Jesus was asked, what is the most important thing that we have to do? And Jesus said, the most important thing for you to do is to love God. Why? Because God loves us. We were created for this relationship. And so, and everything else will line up correctly when we get this right. The problem is we start looking at other things to do. I can do this for God. I can do this for God. I can do this much for God, and that should be enough. And love never actually gets in that right place. But when love, our love for God is first and foremost, everything else will fall into line as it should. See, my Christian life depends on the quality of my love relationship with God. So all the things in my Christian life, especially that internal aspect that no one else sees and is aware of except for me and God, is it all depends on the quality of my relationship with God. 
It doesn't depend on how often I go to church. It doesn't depend on how much knowledge I have. It doesn't depend on how much money I have. It doesn't depend on how good looking or not good looking I am. It doesn't depend on, on what you drive to church. It doesn't depend on how many jobs you've got at church. It doesn't depend on your title at church. My Christian life depends on the quality of my love relationship with God. And, and because of that, therefore, this becomes of the most utmost importance and the highest priority in our lives. Everything that God says and does is an expression of his love. And so love motivates God to act, and it even motivates him to the point of the cross. And so when we see how love motivates God, when we love God, it will motivate us to follow and to walk and to experience God in the right way. What we need to realize as well when it comes to love is that, um, as I said, love is, is, that, is the most important thing, but I want to probably express that in an even a greater way, that our love relationship with God is the highest achievement that we'll ever get to. Now, for some of you, you're kind of looking forward going, hey, I've got a lot of years in front of me. I'm going to reach a real high pinnacle. I'm going to get this job, but I'm going to have this kind of family. I'm going to have this kind of house. And some of you are in the middle of that. You're going, I'm, I'm so far. I've got this far to go. And then I, I, I will feel like I have made it. I've finally got the job that I want. I've got the family that I want. I've, I've, I've got my husband trained the way that I want to. Life is good. But I will tell you this. The highest achievement that you will ever get in your life is a love relationship with God. There is nothing of greater value than that. Um, I'm serious about that. To be loved by God and to love God in response is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, and the highest position that you'll ever be in, in your life. And again, weigh it up. Like You could have the best job in the world earning a million dollars or the fact that you are loved by God. You could have a car or position or um, popularity or possessions and none of that will weigh up to the fact that you are truly loved by God. You are truly loved by him. That becomes so significant in what we are doing and who we are. And so all of a sudden, say that for the fact that I can say that I am a friend of God and that God loves me, that becomes this high point. And it's it almost becomes a relief in a way because it's not for the lack of ambition and, and, and wanting to do more, is that, you know what? I have this thing in my life, this relationship with God that is actually guaranteed for the rest of my life. Now, I can grow in that or I can let it fade, but there's going to be nothing better than that. And so we need to make sure that it becomes this high priority in our life. I remember um, when I was um, Elizabeth and I were dating. Um, we we spent a lot of time going for walks at night. We'd finish work and we'd catch up somewhere and grab some uh, a bit of dinner, and we'd just go for a walk um, to save us spending money on different things. And but we'd walk around um, sort of that sort of just inside the southern part of Brisbane, and we'd walk along the footpath here, and we would actually walk long distances away from our cars and then we'd come back to our cars before the end of the night and it was just it was a, an opportunity to spend time together now again it was when you are in that dating period it is about getting to know each other you have that process but part of the key of of the dating process is that you are pretty keen on that other person 
Um, you don't just do it like a, a um, uh, informational interview going, okay, so what are your favorite hobbies? Let me just write that down. Um, like, it's, it's not like that kind of thing where I'm sitting in a job interview or something like that and they're trying to find out about it. I actually do it because I genuinely want to be with that person. I wanted to be where Elizabeth was and, and to be doing that with her. So that becomes a key in also then understanding our relationship with God because um, we actually need to get to a point that we need to understand that it is, it is walking with God that becomes so important. Walking with God becomes so important. Um, and because it becomes a journey that we go on with him. And again, as we journey with him, we will learn more about him. We'll experience more about him. We'll see him do more things, which will be great. But at that key part, we need to remember that we are walking with him because we love him. And also understanding the fact that he loves us ultimately. So that becomes a great thing. And again, we see this through the scripture time and time again of people that walked with God and journeyed with him and learned from him and were know, they knew that they were loved by him. This becomes a key for us because, again, too often we can actually put God into a box that we open up on Sundays, we take that experience of God, we put God back into our box, we go back to our lives and we do the things that we want to do or do the things we think we should be doing. We, we even can be doing some of them for God, but God is in his box. Where God says, hey, I have done everything possible to show my love for you. Let's walk together. Let's grow in our love for each other. Or we will grow in our love for God. God just loves us sort of um, to the point of overflowing, more than we can realise. Uh, it's something I've come to realise this week. Um, and the thing is, what we need to realize is when, when we don't desire to be with God, there is something wrong with that love relationship we have with him. If we see going to church or reading our Bibles or spending time in prayer as a duty or something that we'll get to, something that we'll make time for, again, it's, sort of, it's, it's doing it out of the wrong motive. But when we understand that these are times that we get to be in the presence of the one that we love and to experience his love for us, all of a sudden it changes our motive to be in those times. All of a sudden we want to open our Bibles to see what God is wanting to share with us today, to be in his presence. Presence becomes a big thing with God and it's talking about um, being present where God is so that we can join in with the work that he's doing. Um, when we are in fellowship with the Father, we really do need to ask the question, what has gone wrong? What is going wrong at the present time? Um, so that we can correct that and to get to our point. Um, see, and the, the way to overcome this at its core, it's not about working harder. It's not about doing things better or stopping this or doing this. It is all about loving God. And through that, we love, through that love, we will want to meet with him. And in meeting with him, the time will actually enrich and deepen our relationship with him. Now, a few things I want to I sort of just cover again too, because I suppose this week I've really found that, again, for, even for myself, that sometimes the experience of God's love is, is not as big as it should be. Again, we have this um, 
academic understanding of God's love, uh, maybe from our Sunday school days, maybe just from the fact that, oh, yeah, God says God is love and Jesus loves and, and all that kind of stuff. But I want to just give you a, um, just a picture of exactly how much God loves you and then also look at this idea of um, how we can truly know that God loves us. Um, well, first of all, um, what I want to look at is this idea that God actually seeks us. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've, um, have you ever been pursued by someone? Like, have you ever been like playing a game of footing and someone is running after you and with, with great vigor wanting to sort of tackle you into the ground? Uh, in those situations, our, my legs will be running as fast as they can for the sake of, of preventing that happening. But on the flip side, when people pursue us for a good reason to, to chase us down, to give us good news or, or to be with us, and, and, and it's great when um, we have family come and visit us in Rockhampton from different places, and even, even it will be great to be able to, once we are able to, once restrictions lifted, to actually go seek people out and to spend time with them. And this is exactly what God has done. God actually seeks us out. God actually takes the initiative and this, this, is, this is what I want to show you about God's love. He chooses us. He loves us. And through that pursuit of us, he reveals his eternal purpose for our lives. He reveals his eternal purpose for our lives in those moments that he, he seeks us out. See, no one seeks God out of their own initiative. We, we don't do that. It is not, it's not about me finding God and going on a long trek and saying, oh, I found God in, in the wilderness and on the top of a mountain. Look at the effort I put in and because of that, I found God. No. Um, Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So basically, we're in a position where we have done nothing at all to initiate this relationship, to start this relationship. God has continuously and um, in the beginning pursued us. He sought us in this relationship. And again, we go back to scripture on this. We see time and time again how God has intervened and acted and moved in such a way because he seeks to be in a loving relationship with his people. He seeks to be in a loving relationship with us. And that becomes a powerful thing that God initiates this. God wants to be in a relationship with you. He is doing all that he can for that to happen. And then this becomes the truth as well, that God draws us to himself. He draws us to himself. Probably one of the things that uh, as Wesleyans we can understand this a little bit better, uh, Wesley talked about this idea of prevenient grace. We have saving grace, the grace that we receive when we are saved. We have sanctifying grace, the grace that transforms us. But Wesley also talked about prevenient grace, which was the grace that acted before we came to a point of salvation. And this was God using whispers and fingertips and, 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 and brushes on our shoulder to draw us to himself. And we see this in Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you. With an everlasting love, I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. See, God, God is not in any, any time in the Bible, he has not been, let's push people away forever. He has actually been trying to find ways of drawing people unto himself so that they might know him 
and that they might know the love that, they, that he has for them as well. And, and this is, I suppose, the amazing thing. Again, it reminds me again that God loves each and every one. He, and, and so, and, but in no way, because God chooses everyone, he actually says, I want everyone to be in a relationship with me. That way, that in no way diminishes the fact that he chose me. Do you understand that? And just because God chooses everyone, he actually individually chooses every person saying, I want to be in a relationship with you because I love you. And he wants us to respond in kind. Now, I can only imagine that overwhelming things, but, but I am special to God. You are special to God. And God says, I want to have that loving relationship with you. And so we need to sort of come to that point and really realize that God seeks us out. Or well, finally, this has been the question that has been really going around my head over and over uh, this past week, is how do I know that God loves me? I, and that's the thing, I've been on a, about this and saying this is how and this is what you can see and this is what you need to realize. But again, it needs to be more than just an academic thing. It needs to be more than just knowledge. It is a relationship with him. Um, and that's the thing. There are plenty of people I know things about. Some may be true. Some you watch the news. You can find out things about people. Some may be true. Some may be false. But I don't know them. I don't know, like, I, I can't, I don't experience a relationship with them. And we don't want to get into the trap where we um, have, like, a knowledge of God, but we don't have that experience of that relationship. And so one of the things I find helpful, um, for some of you, you may have read um, the book, The Five Love Languages. Um, there's also, Gary Chapman also has written a book, uh, The Five Language, Love Languages of God, which again looks at the similar ideas, which it comes down to um, uh, words of affirmation, um, um, uh, quality time, uh, gifts, uh, acts of service, and touch. And so God actually uses all these things. And, and again, we look through the Bible and we can see this happening. And I can look through my life and see these, this aspect happening because how do I know that God loves me? Well, well, first of all, he says it. He says it. He actually says it through his, the, the Bible all the time. Again, John 3.16 becomes this perfect example of this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So, so basically, God is saying, I love you. I'm telling you that I love you. I want you to hear it from me. But again, because we're a bit slow on the uptake, God says, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to do more than that. Again, we see um, he gives gifts to us. Uh, and we see this through, we, we actually, we need to take time to take this in at times and, and actually say, when we see a sunrise, and when, when we experience different seasons through the year, God has actually designed that for humanity. And so every sunrise we see, it is a loving gift from God. Every season that we go through where crops grow and animals get fat and, and, and we are able to enjoy the world in which we live, all those things have been designed as gifts from a loving God. And so even if we go shopping and the meat's expensive, when we complain about that, Sometimes we miss the idea that this is a gift from God. And then we have those personal things that God does in our favor and that, that we kind of go, wow, God, that was, that was such a blessing. 
And again, I look back over my life, there's been times where God has provided for me, God, times that God has provided for my family, God, times that God has done something just to, to move in such a way that he provides just a blessing to us of a gift. Again, it comes from a loving place that God is doing that for us. We also then, we have quality time with God. And this, this again, this is an amazing thing. God is continually present in our life. We dismiss it. We dismiss it. And the thing is, I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm not alone in this, is that there are times when, and, and at the present time, I know Elizabeth and I are just extremely busy and, and time that we have for each other is, um, is not there as much because life is just hectic. And so sometimes you can get into to routines where you go, oh, we haven't spent any time, we haven't done any this, haven't had time to, to just be present with one another or be present with your kids, or be present with your friends, to actually show your love. The thing is, God is continually present. He says, I am here when you need me. I'm here when you think you don't need me. I'm here when you're going through tough times. I'm here when you're in the joyous times. I'm here to talk to you any time that you want. I'm available all the time. And this does not diminish the fact that he is the God of the universe. It just highlights the fact that how special we are to him and how much he loves us. On top of that, we can actually have a look at his past and current acts towards us. And again, the Bible becomes a great place for this to actually see how God has worked and continually works and works in a way in our favor. And all of a sudden we see God sort of healing someone. We see God um, um, like providing for the Israelites in the Bible. We see ultimately we see this in sending Jesus Christ because it was in him that we, we, we see God's ultimate act of service on our behalf. We actually see God's love pouring out of, of, of his arms, out of his wrists as he bleeds on the cross. That is God's love evident to us. And we can feel his touch in our lives. We can feel his touch in our lives. Again, when we are in those, and we don't even have to be in those moments. I, I could express a number of sort of times where I have felt a touch from God. And sometimes it's because I've been angry with God. Uh, I remember a time when I was in church, probably was about grade nine. So that was like a last century um, for all the young people out there. Um, and, and so I was in grade nine, um, probably 1992, if I remember correctly. And my best mate, he didn't come to church. I went, well, why isn't he not at church? And then I found his family wasn't at church. And I went, that was really strange. And I found out during church, someone sort of said, oh, they've left the church because there's been a, a fight within the church. And I was so not angry at people. I was angry at God because of what had happened. And, and I just remember during that conversation, like during my, my prayer to God, my, my disgruntled prayer to God, I just felt God's whisper to me. He's touching me. He said, hey, it's okay. Like God sort of really spoke clearly through that moment. And he just said, hey, what does that change about you and me? What does that change about why you're here at, at church? Like it doesn't, you didn't come here to spend time with them. You came to spend time with me. And so God just sort of subtly corrected me. There's been other times where I've just felt that, that peaceful prodding of, of God and, and guiding me and guiding my steps. And, and that becomes this clear sort of process of, of what we can do. And so we need to remember that there are the touches of God in our life. There are the times when God would grab one of our attitudes and just really yank it out of there or change it dynamically and, and we see God's hand in that. 
We see God's touch on other people's lives around us. All this is trying to express God's love for us. Now, this is the challenge I want to leave you, though, with this week. Because, again, you can take all this information on board, but you probably will miss it. So if you've got time straight after church, do it straight after church. But if not, take some time during the week trying to do your exercise that you're trying to fit in during, during um, uh, um, social isolation. But actually spend some time and, and actually deliberately go out and spend time with God and actively seek out the love that he has for you. To think about your life and how God is lovingly showing himself to you. To get into your Bible and to see how God is wanting to love you through, through his word. To actually to go out in creation and say, God, speak to me right now. To, to, to speak into my life right now. God, hey, this is an area issue I've got. Show me, show me your love through this. And again, it's not forcing God to do anything because God is wanting to love us. Now, this is the, the, the brilliant thing, though, when God loves us. When I say God loves us, it's not a vending machine kind of love because as parents and, and, and those who work with kids or other things like that, when we care for someone, it doesn't all mean, always mean that we do whatever people want. When my kids demand something from, from me, I want the best for them. And so the best for them still may mean that they get in trouble so that in the future they come to a place where they've grown. So it might mean discipline, means love. It may mean saying no is still receiving God's love. It may be saying wait and God is still showing his love for us. And it's not that God is letting us down. God actually knows better. We talked about that last week. God's plan for our lives is not going to be a mistake. The timing is not going to be wrong. And so we need to get to a point where we are fully understanding like that God is, is, is wanting his best for us. And so when he says no, it's because he loves us. When he says wait, it's because he loves us. When he says go do this instead of that, it is because he loves us. And all of a sudden we can move into that plan that God has for us actually with great um, sort of a conviction that it's the right plan for us. But secondly, this is God's best for us as well. And this is where we, we, again, we start to experience this fullness of God and we don't just dabble in a little pond of it. We jump headlong into this experience of God, building the truth of God in with a life lived out in relationship with him. And so, yeah, I challenge you this week, go out and experience the love of God. Seek it out. Look for it in your times with him. Again, even pray that this week, saying, God, help me love you more. I know you love me. Help me see your love more. And so make that a bit of your homework this week as you seek to, to grow in a loving relationship with God because that is what he desires to have with you. Again, some of you may be sort of scratching your head going, how do I have a relationship with God? Again, I'd love to hear from you. Please um, um, message us through the Facebook um, page and we can love to have someone get in contact with you about that. This is God's plan for us. It is the best plan for us to be in relationship with you. And so if you are wanting to go deeper with that, I encourage you to do so. If you are wanting to begin a relationship with God, it is the best thing. It is the highest achievement that you'll ever receive in your life. And if you want to peak early, if you're a young person and you want to peak early and achieve the highest thing in your life, it will just it will go on beyond that. And so uh, I, I encourage you not to miss out. Don't put it off for the sake of something else. 
put God's, the love of God as a primary thing in your life. So um, I look forward to catching up next week and um, sharing with you in different ways and I um, um, hope you have a great week as you, um, again, experience the love of God and the relationship he desires for you. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we want to thank you for um, that you show your love to us over and over and over again. We thank you that you're a God that um, has pulled no punches in showing your love from, from the words of you expressed to, to the love you have shown and the gifts you've given to, to the acts of service that you've expressed to us. Ultimately, we see this in Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We thank you that you've made a way for us to be in this loving relationship, what we were created for. And I pray that we would, we would be willing to walk into your presence willingly and wanting to love you more and to know your love more as well, Lord. And so I pray this week would be a chance for us to grow deeper in that um, or even begin that journey for those who might be listening in today. And so, Lord, we, we, we look forward to that opportunity of, of growing and knowing your love more in our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.